1: One of the worst crimes in Mexico, this is the case of Las Buquianchis. Stories, folklore, legends, leyendas, cuentos y más. This is Spooky Tales. Listen, escuchen, at your own risk. everyone this is Christina and this is MJ and today I will be telling MJ about some of the most infamous well I guess some of the most known and recorded killers in Mexico women killers I should specify las Poquianchis.
0: you said that amazingly because in my head I can't like I keep
1: on reading it and my brain just just like forgets the end every time <laughs> And that's just like normally, or is it because of all the NyQuil you take?
0: I don't know. One <laughs> of the <laughs> I see. Las Po... po-, po- what?
1: Poquianchis. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. So, Las Poquianchis are the most prolific killers. Or, sorry. I already said this. They're the most prolific women killers, probably, like, to date. Definitely the, the deadliest group of sisters. There are four sisters, Las Hermanas González Valenzuela, who were later given the, the nickname Las Pochianchis, and you'll learn why later. MJ is going to be reading their early life, and then I'll go into the details of their horrific crimes. Trigger warning, this is a terribly depressing story. <laughs> so there's a lot of death, creep, it's just bad. <laughs> yeah so, it's yeah. bad <laughs> i mean they're they're murderers so yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, i don't so- know much about them
1: besides that so <laughs> that they were terrible yeah yeah <laughs> um and i did want to share some of their early life just not to excuse them but to kind of explain why they became terrible people and that's not to say everyone that has gone through this same sort of experiences will become terrible killers, but there are behaviors and experiences that many serial killers people who go on to murder share, and so that's why I just want to share what their early childhood is like yeah, like nature versus nurture yes, yeah and also, I want to add, I listened to some podcasts that covered this story, some pretty big ones, and I was... Disgusted, like they had a, between the four of them, there was a lot of a lot of deaths, it, like possibly up to one hundred and fifty. And some one of these podcasts played like an air horn, like do 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 when they announced the number of deaths. Cacky, gross. Yeah, Just, I don't Just why. Tasteful.
0: Yeah, because I mean, this this people that were
1: affected by this and families, there's still people that live today. So, yeah. And you're going to work. We'll be sharing some of their comments, family members and stuff. So Because I think it's important when you're sharing these stories to hear who was affected by it, not just, you know, make jokes and witty comments about these murders, you know, murderers. Yeah. And unfortunately not a lot. Like some people, there's like lists and lists of people that were of the victims, you know, but uh, not for them. There's only like one name is known for sure, but there's like just a bunch of unknown, unknown victims, yeah. So, yeah, go on, go on with their with their early life, okay.
0: Early life, the four sisters from the eldest to the youngest were Delfina, born in 1912. Maria del Carmen, born in 1918. Maria Luisa, born in 1920. And Maria de Jesus, born in 1924. They were born in El Salto, Jalisco. Some accounts state they were born in Juan... Oh my God, that's a Juanacatlán. difficult name. Juanacatlán? <laughs> Juanacatlán,
1: yeah.
0: Not El Salto. Other sources say Maria Luisa was, was the youngest with Maria de Jesus being older than her. Other sources say born in 1910, 1921, and 1922, respectively. Delfina, Luisa, and Maria de, Maria de Jesus, I'm inclined to believe... Wait, wait.
1: Yeah, so some say Delfina was the one born in 1910, Luisa 1921, and Maria de Jesus in 1922.
0: In case mm-hmm. that it makes
1: sense the way I wrote it.
0: okay. <laughs> Um, okay. Their fa their father, Isidro, was a shopkeeper who later became chief of police. Like he just declared himself
1: chief of police. That's Yeah, there was no like <laughs> process to become chief of police. He was just like, Me, I'm in charge. That, I mean that's also I hear
0: I've have heard stories where people just appoint themselves alcalde, which means mayor.
1: Uh-huh. And yeah, t- so, similar. Mean,
0: yeah similar. Especially back then. Oh, yeah. who's? I mean, if you're, like, the richest, whatever, who's going to stop you? Nobody. Exactly. Their mother, Bernadina, was extremely religious to the point of instilling a cult-like worship to, to Catholicism. Oh, I have family like her.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we all do.
0: Mm -hmm. both abusive in their own ways Isidro was an alcoholic sexist man who abused his power as chief of police he would force the sisters to watch as he tortured the people he arrested he would beat them and had insanely strict rules he regularly used the cells he had access to as chief of police to punish
1: his daughters that's messed yeah he just arrested them incarcerated them as punishment no reason to like arrests like no crime just he just decided oh you're being indecent and would like put them in the cell
0: what the hell Mm -hmm. that is total abuse of power yeah carmen the eldest in her attempt to leave this dysfunctional and abusive environment got with a man much older than her and tried to run away this made Isidro furious and he found her yanked her by the hair hit her and dragged her to a cell where he incarcerated her due to her indecent behavior He went on with his normal shift where he unjustly shot a man. He went on the run, hiding out in different ranches in Jalisco and left Carmen in jail where she remained for
1: 14 months. Wow. Yeah. 14 months. And he is like, whatever, like nobody let her out. He didn't come back. Wow.
0: 14 months. She was released by an older man, but only with the promise that she would marry him if he released her. And, who the hell fed her cuz 14 months she had to be I, I I mean this is horrible. I mean she was yeah. you know from what I gather a horrible person but this is horrible too. This
1: was pre pre her horrible acts as a person. Yeah. Like I th- I don't know how old she was. Nothing really says how old they were during this time so
0: I'm guessing like teenagers. Especially if she was like of the age of 18 19 at most. Yeah. Yeah. Some accounts vary here in some. The family flees their hometown together and others, the sister, are left to, f- to fend for themselves while their father was in hiding. And this prompted them to add on the Valenzuela to Gonzales to disassociate themselves from their father. I mean, I can't blame them. I would, too. Yeah. Carmen then married a 50-year-old grocer. Like a yeah, grocery so store the- owner?
1: The documentary I watched and all the articles online said Tiendero Cinquenton. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> oh that God. means. I'm assuming Tienda is where I'm getting the store grocer from. Yeah, he, he was 50 and he owned a store, I think is what that meant.
0: Yeah, like a, like a mom and pop's grocery store. Something like that. Yeah. But he left her when she got pregnant. During this time, she was also a sex worker and a concubine. She then met another much older man, Jesus Elgato Var- Vargas, and they opened up a, a
1: cantina. Cantina, okay. I think like a bar?
0: Yeah, una, a bar, right? Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. But it was un- unsuccessful because Elgato spent any profit they had on alcohol. This was still a regular and perfect legal canteen. Delfina, inspired by Carmen, decided she would do the same, only she opened a brothel. Yes.
1: And so this is where they kind of start doing evil shit, starting with Delfina, who was the worst of them, of the four sisters. So Delfina opened up her brothel in El Salto, Jalisco, which is where my grandpa's from, by the way. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, this was hidden as a regular bar. Because And because there was re- less regulation away from the big cities, it made it easier for her to operate the illegal brothel. And she opened this and she was like, no, man's going to help me. I'm going to run this by myself because she saw what happened to her sister, Carmen, how the guy would take the money and, you know, spend it on alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is where she started ha- um, kidnapping girls from 12 to 15 from nearby cities to force them to work for her and not surprising to me but many of the articles were like this is so surprising and I was like really I don't think so anyway it's uh, military officers soldiers police officers and politicians were the majority of her clients of course yeah I was not surprised by that but in 1948, due to stricter laws, she was forced to close her brothel and then move it to San Juan de los Lagos, Jalisco, another um, city, a town a few uh, hours away. Not, it's not that far away from El Salto. And then she named it El Guadalajara de la Noche. This is where the three sisters began helping with the business. Uh, they were in charge of the kitchen and collecting cash, from, like uh, the cash register. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Carmen took it upon herself to start selling makeup, clothes, and other personal objects to the, I don't know what to call them, workers? They're not workers because they're forced to be there. Slaves? I don't know. Yeah, Exploited? I mean, they were sort of, I, mean, they, I mean, they were slaves, yeah. yeah. And she did this. She sold it to them at a, an insane price, making the girls indebted it to her so this essentially forced them into indentured servitude? Is, would that, would mm-hmm. that be it? Slavery? I don't know what you want to call it, but, like... I would say... This reminds me very much of
0: los, uh, los haciendados, where um they would have, like, their own little, like, place where the hacienda would sell and their workers could only buy from that little store. Yes. And they would raise the prices and they could only be bought with, like, money or currency, I guess, from the hacienda. So it was like this weird system of, of uh, exactly the same.
1: Yeah. And then two weeks after opening Guadalajara de noche, de la Noche in San Juan de los Lagos, Delfina had enough money to move her brothel to San Francisco del Rincón, Guanajuato, where brothels were legal. Here, they bought a brothel that had belonged to a gay man whose nickname was El Poquianchis. And this was Mm. the nickname then given to the sisters because that's what the building was known as. And so then they began just calling them Las Poquianchis. Mm. Once this brothel was successful, Maria de Jesus took two of the imprisoned girls that were imprisoned by Delfina... And then she opened a brothel named La Casa Blanca in León, Guanajuato. So at this point, they have two. And she opened La Casa Blanca through bribes, um, money, and sex with uh, el alcalde, the governor, and police officers that were there. This let her operate it. And she had the same kind of clients that Delfina did as well. And I'm sure you won't be surprised by this either. And I'm going to need help translating it. <laughs> el sacerdote y el sacristan de la parroquia de León.
0: The priest. And I don't know what the other one is. Sacristan. But like.
1: What's parroquia? Yeah, I don't know that one.
0: Parroquia is a parish? church.
1: Parish. Yeah, pretty much. What was the other word I was? Sacristan?
0: Sacristan. I never heard it before. Sacristán. A friar? No, this that, is a The
1: sexton of the parish church. I don't know what that I don't means know either.
0: what those do. A person in charge
1: of a sacristy and its contents? Oh,
0: I think it's the um the person who's in charge of the uh
1: is would it be the Eucharist? Like the you know how they have to bring out the stuff? Maybe sacristy, also called vestry in architecture, a room in a Christian church in which vestments and sacred objects used in the services are stored. And in which the clergy and sometimes the altar boys and the choir members put on their robes.
0: Oh, it's like the person who's in charge of all the um, items needed for, oh, for the okay. priest
1: and for the church. Wow. Okay, so yeah. So that person and the priest were regular clients there. Checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not surprising. But all the articles that I read were like, surprisingly. And in order to have enough uh, girls for their two brothels they began kidnapping and tricking girls from all over jalisco guanajuato even other states like michoacan and zacatecas aside from just straight up taking girls off the streets like yanking them into vans or whatever Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. i don't know if there was actual vans (laughs) it's just what i imagine a white van you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that was the case, but they were just pulling these girls out of the streets. They were also telling them that they would be working as maids and even had consent from parents because some of these girls, again, they were as young as 12 and these were hard times in Mexico at the time. So, you know, everyone was working in any way they could and parents were like, yeah, you can go help. These ladies look like they're good. I don't know. They, They let these girls go with them. And it was all a lie, of course. Once the kidnapped girls arrived at the brothels, they were raped, showered in freezing water, drugged, and then put out to work that same night. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Once girls reached the age of 25, they were considered too old and too ugly. And they were sent to what they call a verdugo, which just means a man that tortures who beat them, starved them to death. And then... Either... If they if they didn't die from the starvation... Then he would bury them alive. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then... As you said in the beginning, MJ... The mom gave them a cult-like... Belief of Catholicism. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from all this... Illegal, immoral stuff they were doing... The sisters were highly religious... And they had many rules. And uh, they believe that uh, it was offensive to God if the girls did any kissing, any sexual acts between the girls, any anal. And so if a client requested any of this, they were either banned for life or killed. And then... The four sisters had surveillance on the girls. There was like little holes in the rooms so that they would look inside and make sure none of this was happening. And if they saw some of this happening, the girls were punished heavily. So they were forced to kneel with bricks in their hands. They were beaten with a bat that had nails attached to it. And they were starved. And this is just a few of the things they did to the girls if they were caught not following these rules.
0: They got that, uh, you know, they got the whole, like, sexual thing out of the... Butt- but not this. hmm Not the...
1: T- mm. Yeah. Makes no sense. But at the same time, I, I mean, totally have- understand it. Because, like, you look at cartels doing shitty-ass things, and they're highly religious, too.
0: Yes. I mean, Christians in general. I mean, look what they did. They committed, like, mass genocide. Like... They won't allow certain
1: things, but hold on, genocide and murder, totally fine. Right, yeah. And I mean, not just like a lot of religions. They just have at least strict rules about certain things, but then go and ar- turn around and like commit murder, you know? Like it's just Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah, terrible. Ugh. And then in nineteen sixty three brothels became illegal in Guanajuato. And the, girl, the girls, the sisters, the evil sisters, moved their brothels back to Lagos de Moreno, Jalisco. And this is where you could say their downfall began. Delfina's son, who helped them torture and control the girls, his nickname was El Tepocate. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he got into a bar fight nearby the brothel and was killed. Then Delfina oh, um, attempted to get revenge and kill her son's murderer. I said that weird murderer. Oh my god. Murderer? Murderer. What? I can't say a murderer. Murderer. Whatever. The person who killed her son. She attempted to get revenge and so she went into that bar and fired a gun but missed. And none of the other things they were doing angered officials because again, they were her regular customers. But this made them mad. Mm -hmm. And so they were going to arrest her for illegally charging a weapon. Not for none of the other stuff. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so Delfina uh, went into hiding in Guadalajara. And police then raided Maria de Jesus, the younger sister. uh, One of the younger sisters. Her brothel where all the girls and Maria were kept in for a day. For 24 hours. But during those 24 hours, the power went out. And so they escaped uh, during the night and they went into hiding at a different house owned by Las Poquianchis in San Francisco del Rincón, which is in Guanajuato. And the girls were forced to stay there in that house for eight months, during which they were starved and many died from starvation. And here wow. um, in this house, they like forced the girls to like beat each other and stuff like just more horrible things happened here aside from the starvation and sickness some of them killed each other wow yes and then on january sixth, nineteen 1964 the sisters began feeling cornered by police and they moved the girls to rancho san angel which i did not write i believe that is also in guanajuato let me double check yeah i think so they moved around so much, it's hard to keep track of where they were at what time. <laughs> I, I know, they like go all over the place. Like really back and forth from Guanajuato to Jalisco. Yeah, so Rancho San Angel, San Angel or Loma del Angel is what it was known as. And I believe it's in Guanajuato, but it might be in Jalisco. And I, 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 but I'm, I'm like 80% sure it's in Guanajuato. Anyway, you know, Uh yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. So. They moved the girls to Rancho San Angel, which previously was a location that was used for the torture of the girls. The ones that were mis- like, supposedly misbehaving. And this is where they mm-hmm. buried all the bodies. Twelve days after moving uh, everyone over to Rancho San Angel, a-, a girl, Catalina Ortega, escaped and went to the police. Ironically enough, the police that took her report was one of their regular clients. But he decided to take this like he didn't throw just throw it under a rug. You know, is that the same? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd sweep it under a rug. He didn't like try to hide it or anything. He listened to the to Catalina and they went to uh, El Rancho and the sisters denied all of the charges. But upon inspection of the place, police found ninety bodies. Damn. Yes, they were arrested but moved to a different prison than that area because there was a threat of lynching. Like, everyone just wanted to kill them for all the things they did. And they wanted to see them brought to justice, supposedly, right? Because then you'll hear what the justice was supposedly, and it's like barely Mm -hmm. anything.
0: I mean, I would too. Right? Honestly. I'd be like,
1: yeah, hang them. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this point, only two of the sisters were arrested. Carmen, um, the one that was overcharging all the makeup and stuff, she had previously died of mm-hmm. cancer. Ooh. And then Maria Luisa had left the business ten after 10 years. She just got her money and left. So this leaves uh, Delfina and Maria de Jesus. So they were the ones arrested. And then upon hearing of their arrest, Maria Luisa... She traveled to Guanajuato to see them, but then she was, like, abruptly arrested. Accused of Satanism and brujería, neither was real, but, you know, anything horrible that happens, anything heinous, horrible crimes, they're immediately blamed on Satanism and brujería, it seems.
0: But you know what the irony
1: is? They were so
0: religious and so culty that they were blamed for something that they would probably never like to them would be the most horrific thing you know which is like satanism and they were blamed for that the
1: iron right and then due to errors in the investigation many of the people that worked for them were released so there's one guy el capitan was his nickname he was delfina's boyfriend he was the one who did all the torturing, beating, starving them to death at um mm-hmm. Rancho San Angel. So this guy, mm-hmm. he was told at 76 years old that he would be released and then he immediately died of a heart attack from the excitement of the news of being released. What the- <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> so that was his demise.
0: I don't feel bad for laughing. Me neither. Fuck that guy. <laughs>
1: okay and then um, Delfina so in 1978 while in jail there was some construction going on and somehow a bucket of cement fell on Delfina and then she died out of of everything a bucket of cement Mm -hmm. that's some like Looney Tunes type shit (laughs) (laughs) but like
0: you're not wrong
1: yeah And then Maria de Jesus, she was released after her sentence, which was forty years. Uh, not a long time.
0: That is not a mm-hmm. no. Oh, but isn't it like Mexico or whatever? Like when you kill somebody or you get charged with murder, I think it's only like forty years. Because we went over that one. Yeah, it used to be. I don't know when it changed, time. but
1: yeah, when we talked about um, La Casa de Mijangos, so Claudia Mijangos. Yeah. She committed murder. She killed her children, and yeah, she was sentenced to forty years because this was the maximum sentence. And I don't think it's the case anymore. I think now they do it like here, where it's like a, a life sentence. For life.
0: Oh, okay, because I know she was that the other Mihangos, whatever her name was. It was released like two years ago. Yeah, like three and years she ago? spent. Two, she did her three? forty
1: years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the case with Maria de Jesus who was released after the 40 years, she remarried, like, right away, which I, I, who, why, who would want to, knowing who they were, because this case was all over the media, was sensationalized, sensationalized, sensationalized. Yeah, I also feel
0: like there, it's like, you know, how, like, serial killers have groupies? Yeah, which is disgusting. Yeah, but they do. I think it's like that kind of situation.
1: Yeah. So she immediately remarried and then just kind of disappeared, stayed low. I don't know if she's still alive or not. She could be. That is crazy. I hope not. Right? (laughs) And then, but essentially she got a happy ending. And I'm like, that's not fair. That's not fair. Yeah. Uh, Can we just. (laughs) So Maria Luisa, she received the shortest sentence out of all of them. Because she took off after the first 10 years. So she didn't participate in like the worst part of it all. But she ended up going mad, like insane, you know, her mental health deteriorated. A more respectful way to say that, I guess. And she ended Mm -hmm. up at a mental hospital and she died in the mental hospital. Oh. And then again, the oldest, Carmen, had died from cancer before all this happened. A lot of the. Girls that were uh, imprisoned by them, forced into sex work, trafficked by them—you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of them were initially arrested, which I was like, "Why?" But then a lot of them were—they were all released, except there was three of them that helped them kidnap girls. I don't—I didn't write down their names or anything, but—but
0: I also feel like they were first. Like, um, there's been cases where um, uh, kidnapped victims are forced to get other. Uh, you know exactly and i I don't blame them it's like uh they're in a
1: state of survival exactly yeah so and i think they ended up being released too because again uh, the investigation was like botched and there was Mm -hmm. no evidence so a lot of the people that were arrested for helping them were released like that guy who then died of a heart attack Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah so i'm thinking that those three were probably released although this isn't official this is just me guessing I would think so. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, that is Las Boquienchis. And you know, it's funny because, not funny, it's ironic. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but it's like they committed these horrible things, right? And Mm -hmm. they're like, they went down in the history of Mexico as being the most notorious female killers. But you think about what's going on now in places like Ciudad Juarez, where like a woman is killed like every one in I don't know or every day there's like eight women killed or it's something very close to that and not to mention disappeared women forced into things by cartels like and cartels themselves like there's people out there probably committing similar crimes that just are not are just going by unnoticed because of the state of I mean the Mexico right now you know so it's just it's interesting that they're like they're demonized they were like there was like articles coming out about them like mujeres del diablo but there's men that committed similar crimes and they were not described in the same way by the media Mm
0: -hmm. like
1: obviously they did horrible things and I'm not like defending them but it's just interesting that they were like super 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 demonized and called all these things but then like
0: they're quiet when a man does it
1: yes exactly that's where i was trying to and go especially
0: with because femicides are so rampant right now like as you were saying in in mexico like oh the entire country like women are being killed for being women
1: yeah <sighs> i don't know but yeah that was the story of Las Pokianchis, and they're terrible. And did you write down some some of the comments from people? Yes, I screenshotted a whole bunch. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I made a TikTok about them a few months ago, and so many, so many people commented. And I actually, my, my mom's... So I think a sister of my grandpa was, mm-hmm. like, almost taken by them. Mm-hmm. But one of them like stopped them from stopped like one of the person someone in my family stopped them from being like physically pulled into like their vehicle or whatever. Mm. So yeah, I I guess one of my grandpa's sisters was almost taken by them.
0: Oh my goodness. That is terrifying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but so many so people that have covered this like so many podcasts, nobody like really talks about the victims of them. So we just kind of want to do that a little bit as best as we can. Okay, so this is
0: one comment, and it said, One of my mom's cousins was taken by them. The girl was sweeping outside. A lady stopped in her car asking for directions, then forced her in a car. So this is very similar to what you were saying right now with um your grandpa's sister, except they actually succeeded in this one. Yeah. And then another comment says, I am from San Francisco del Rincón, Guanajuato. These sisters used to have a house by some lake. They called it Ojos de Agua. Apparently, they tried to kidnap one of my aunts in the 80s. And under that comment, it says, "Mi Mi abuelita vive cerca de Purísima y nos contaba la historia de como una mujer iba al rancho a llevarse... Uh, Young girls to work as maids, supposedly. So um, what that says is um, my grandmother lived near Purisima. And they would tell us how a woman would go to the ranches there and to take young women to be maids. Terrible. Yeah. And then another comment. Oh, my God. My dad lived across from them and would tell me stories. His uncle was their personal driver. Mm, I remember that. that. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, one of them was my grandma's godmother. And my grandma would help them at the bar they had. They also kidnapped girls from El Salto, Jalisco.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is when it, where one of the main brothels was.
0: Was, yeah. And then another comment. My mom is Juan, Juanacatlán. I can I cannot say that fast. Juanacatlán. 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 <laughs> <laughs> And uh, said she went to Guadalajara to work as a maid. Till this day, she won't speak about the experience. I can't blame her.
1: Yeah. Because honestly, that,
0: it's horrible.
1: That one hurts to read. It's like, damn. Ugh.
0: What? Yeah. Like, if t- to the point where you're traumatized, can't even speak about it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. And then um, this one user go- says, My mom told me about their story. It is so sad to know a lot of girls died, and they were even pregnant girls that were buried alive. That's fucked.
1: Yes, and you know, um, to go back to that, a lot of articles and a lot of other podcasts said that there was a lot of infant bodies found, but from what I've read, that that because a lot of them said that they would kill all the pregnant women, um, but that I don't think that's true because children were found with the yeah. the girls. The ones that had been in, what's it called, Loma Loma del Angel? Mm-hmm. The last place where they where they found all the girls, mm-hmm. there was kids with them. So I don't think they killed all pregnant women or or killed all the babies because there was children found with them.
0: Yeah, it might have been like part of their like like their uh, Catholic cultism, um, where you're not allowed to harm children. So I think that kind of came into play, and if that did,
1: well, you know. Thank goodness, because, I mean, they're kids. It could be that. A part of me feels like they kept girls so that they could later work for them. Oh, that too. And maybe the bodies that were found were ye boys.
0: Oh, yes. That could have been it too.
1: Mm-hmm. It was just, ugh, terrible. Disgusting. Yeah.
0: So I got another comment. It says, My abuelita, rest in peace, worked for Las Poquianchis. She was in charge of one of those houses and collected the money from the Prostis, aka maids that is crazy there's a lot of like wow. like um you know people who have first accounts
1: first-hand accounts from people who've known these women that's crazy yeah and it's it's so wild to me that in those comments there's people whose dìas, grandmas were mm-hmm. taken and at the same time people that worked for the spokianchis-hmm it's so weird weird yes and then this is another another um user says my
0: hubby was from my hubby has family members that were stolen in michoacan by these ladies
1: yeah they went all like it was like their reach was far Mm -hmm.
0: Ooh, and this one's a good one this user said mi abuelita used to tell a story of this lady coming over to her house to talk her mom into letting my abuelita go Go work with her. And he doesn't say It's it's suspected it was one of these. But, I mean, from the comment, it very well could have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, another user says, my grandpa grew up living with these ladies in Leon for some time. <gasps> I think the only thing that, like, the saving grace for that grandpa was uh, that he was male.
1: Yeah. Because,
0: ooh, uh, this other user says, dude, this is so true. My grandma would hide my aunts and my mom when these ladies would show up at the Pueblo in Jalisco. I mean, yes. I would be yeah. going in, like,
1: like large groups. Yeah, for sure.
0: Like, you know, the bathroom rule?
1: Except everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. Always have a, a buddy a, a or buddy. three or five. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, it says, uh, the other user says, no way, they had a bar in a small ranch known as El Tecolote Guanajuato. My mom is from there, and they almost caught my grandmother. That's scary. Yeah. And another user put, I used to live four blocks away from their brothel
1: in León. So um, it has to be, yeah, so this is, I think the one in León is the one that they got from the guy named Poquianchis, which they still named Guadalajara de la Noche
0: or yeah, there's no, it could
1: have been a casa blanca one we of the two there yeah yeah mm-hmm. but that's crazy oh my god
0: yeah and that's all i went through all that's all i got right now but i'm pretty sure as time goes on, we're probably gonna get more
1: mm-hmm. might
0: read them more but oh my god this is horrible horrifying like yeah <laughs> and this stuff still happens today in a sense because we always hear about um uh, well, there was a story not too long ago where this girl went to um, this middle school and uh, was trying to get a, a, a student out of class. Knew all the student's information, address, and everything. And this happened like last week. It was so like, uh, which I wish I would have saved it. But um, she was trying to get this... This girl out of class and then the school called the dad and was like, Hey, this this woman is trying to, you know, take out your daughter, but she's not on the contact list for the school. And the dad was like, We don't know who she is. They um the police interviewed the the girl and she was like, I you know, I never met, met her in my life. So this human trafficking thing is still going on and there are people who Damn. you know, don't do this but still are trying to take girls. And this again this child was in middle school. And this happened last week. Here in the states by the way. Wow yeah. So it's
1: you know it still happens. Yeah I do want to point out. Most trafficking worldwide. In the United States. Most of it is by people. You know it's rare mm-hmm. that it's a stranger. Obviously the case you just mentioned. Is a stranger. And so was everything that Spokianchis did. But most of the time. It's someone you know.
0: And you know, this also reminds me of like you know how um, there's a lot of rich people who do, you know, use human trafficking and you know abuse women and and men from those human trafficking rings. But the population for rich people is very small, and the people who continue and and I guess I don't know make this like industry as thriving still today is regular regular dudes
1: yeah, yeah and so women like and i don't know children. if you remember uh last year mm-hmm. uh all those protests were going on with people holding signs like e- the rich or hollywood mm-hmm. is doing this but like no it's not they may be the customers of these people but the people people taking kids trafficking them they are your regular local people most of it is super super local like it's always someone you know like when you look at the like one of the most you know wildest cases to come to light jeffrey Mm -hmm. epstein his Mm -hmm. even his rings were local like one girl started it and then she would go back to the high school to come get her friends to do it and mm-hmm. it's and it, and not to, obviously not to blame these girls a lot of them are coerced into doing it but that was obviously all local too like a lot yes. of it is it's not these super rich hollywood that's trafficking these children mm-hmm.
0: there's not enough like this is like literally happens in every town especially yeah. with um with sex workers who who you know um who don't do it the legal way i guess uh, for you know, a way to phrase it. Um, and again, it's regular degular dudes. And I'm going to say men because for the most part, it's, it's the men are the clientele. Um, yeah. Who purchase this disgusting service and continue the kidnapping of children and women. And yeah. I'm going to say children because a lot of them are children. There's, a few women here and there, but for the most part, I feel like they get them underage. Um, yeah, and, and sadly, the most of the people trafficked are people of color.
1: Yes, that's where we're exactly that's where you uh, that's what I was gonna say exactly. A lot of them are people of color, and then um, kids in the system, in the foster system, mm-hmm. so specifically people of color in the foster system, children of color in the foster system and a lot of times it's like someone a a girl it's usually because it's usually a girl will Mm -hmm. meet a teenager will meet a boyfriend who she thinks is gonna get her out of this he starts out nice and then he starts trafficking her when he and abusing like Mm -hmm. it's usually a lot of a lot of that is that's how it goes yes because i mean
0: if anything have has shown us is what's the the gabby girl is that all the the people of color around her area did not get the same coverage as her. And that's why it's so easy to take women and children of color because we do not, you know, when one of us goes missing, they don't give a shit about us. And that's just, that's just facts. Um, which is also, um, it also has to do with, um, the no more stolen sisters movement, which is, uh, to bring awareness to, the huge amounts of uh, indigenous women that are being murdered and stolen and kidnapped. And I'm pretty sure it goes into this whole human trafficking thing because the amount is, it's just too huge to ignore. And I, I'm, I'm pretty
1: sure it has to do a lot with um, this human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And as always, the most marginalized are the most at risk. It's they're They're easier to take because
0: no one makes noise yeah so yeah that um that is our episode
1: (laughs) i'm sorry for being so depressing (laughs)
0: but i
1: I feel depressed now
0: (laughs) a good learning experience especially for those um who had no idea yeah
1: i feel like we should we should do something to bring up the mood (laughs) i don't know what Um, (laughs) no i have nothing i'm just gonna stay sad that's okay yeah it's okay to be sad yeah it's okay (laughs) Uh, yeah, so um, stay a spooky. I hope you enjoyed this episode, this terrible, terrible story. And we'll catch everyone next time. Yes. Bye. Bye. Shout out to our Spookies supporting us on Patreon. Dalia, Martin, Mariela, Cleo, René, Yamaris, Iris, Ghost Train, and Mantown Charity. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. A spooky Tales is hosted by Christina and MJ, edited and produced by Christina. If you're looking for extra ways to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash and you can also check out our Patreon for bonus episodes and more. Go to spookytales.com support. But of course, you have our eternal gratitude for just listening. Stay spooky!